Have you ever bought something you knew you couldn't afford and you bought it anyway? And not something small, like something big. And you were like, oh, well. Oh, I'm sure I have. Um, I'll tell, you know what? It wasn't a tangible thing, but I have taken the vacation when I knew I shouldn't because I had the credit card, so I did. <laughs> Cha-ching! <laughs> right. Get on a so, which, which I'm going to say was a bad life choice financially, but great life choice mentally because I needed it. So I know that really is not a great... Living above your means, that sounds like a bad life choice. Let's talk about it. This is the Bad Life Choices podcast, where our outspoken, opinionated, and energetic hosts break down a bad life choice that we can all relate to. Tune in as Sharita Janelle and her godmother Maria have brutally honest and entertaining conversations as they navigate through life's pitfalls and inspire you to make better life choices. So yes, today we are talking all about living above your means, which I think can be one of the worst bad life choices you can make because it will last you a lifetime. People are constantly, I think that's, you remember that song, Gator Boots from a pimped out Gucci suit. No, and you sound like you're singing Gilligan's Island or something (laughs) right now. (laughs) It was a song where the guy is literally saying that he's he's got gator boots, he's got a Gucci suit, he's got a Cadillac with all the rims, but then he then goes on and says that everything is in his mother's name because it's Ugh. he's technically he was probably hood living rich. in her basement at the time that's why okay Just but saying. hood rich to me hood rich is almost, not rich no 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 it's it's living above your means it's poor it is is yeah. you're getting things to make people feel like that you have money when you really have nothing because the only thing you have is what people see you have no actual assets everything is just a tangible piece of clothing or a a rim on your car there's no real estate there's no investments there's nothing sitting in a portfolio or anything you are wearing everything you own well here's the thing see that whole mindset is that oh if i look good then people are going to think that i am good you know but it's not doesn't work that way because okay so you're talking about hood rich, and I'm just going to keep rolling with that because I have a lot of experience with that. How um, do you so, have experience? You don't live in the hood. I don't do live in the hood, I, but I, I, I have experience through my um, job oh, where I, I see She several, teaches in the hood. Right. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but it's, you know, it is the truth. It's Detroit. Um, it's Most Detroit, people would think that. But listen, I and it's not it's not everybody. Um, so like I don't need all the parents from the school saying that you know I'm saying stuff because I'm not. It's not everybody, and it has no reflection on my kids. Well, it does a little bit, and I'll say why. But I see a lot of these parents come up, and their hair is done, their nails are done, they got all the gold on, they've got, you know, a Louis purse, they've got the Gucci shoes, they've got, which by the way, if you're going to do that, don't mix, just keep it all one brand. That has nothing to do with anything, but that's just a little annoying. Wait, 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 So you are giving a little note of advice to the people who are buying things that they can't afford to just stay at the one design. Is is this really where we're going? This is the kind of advice, by the way, if you're buying things you can't afford, please only buy them from one designer. One designer. Thank you very much. Just keep it. So you, I mean, if you want to look hood rich, then just do it the right way. But 
don't don't but anyway so but you, you all you know you go out you this is what you're presenting so you think in your mind that people think that oh you know she got it together because she's got you know the louis she's got this she's got that but there are roaches crawling on your walls which by the way those walls aren't yours because you're renting from somebody not because you live in new york or you live in chicago because you don't view that as important which if you got some real estate that might help your situation and i understand there are there are situations and circumstances where you can't but if you put more money into saving maybe perhaps for some real estate instead of what you're wearing because you can't wear those outfits a lot then you go get more no your paycheck is going to all this stuff that is not doing anything for you or your children and i'm saying your children because you got children while you're looking good with your nails and your gold and your hair your children are coming in with dirty clothes you have a problem Okay, that is that is 100% a problem. But this is one extreme. So this is the hood rich mentality. But there's also the living above your means that does not involve buying designer things. It's people who take trips that they cannot afford, who go out to dinner every single night when they should really be at the grocery store and cooking at home, when they're out on the weekends partying, when they're just living an extravagant lifestyle, knowing that there's no cash to back it up Everything's going on a credit card. At the end of the month, you're not paying off that balance. You're making minimum payments. Your your balance is only getting higher and higher and higher. But yet, no part of these actions are telling yourself to stop. They're not because you don't want to stop because you don't see anything wrong with it at the time. Listen, I think everybody's guilty at some point in time of living above their means. I know when I first got a credit card, I thought I was the shit because I had a credit card. I had an American Express. I oh, thought fancy. that was, yeah, some fancy. But I thought it was like, it was it was the regular American Express at the time. It was just the green, you know, basic beginner, out the box, you know, like this is your first American Express, whatever. And I just, like I said, thought I was the shit because I had an American Express. I was 18 years old. Because these people come to the college campuses and set up their little tables and they're like, oh, you would do great with a credit card. I didn't do great with the credit card at the time. But I do have to say I have that same credit card now that I had then. I've had it since I was 18 years old. I don't spend on it anymore like I did then. But I didn't know. I wasn't thinking. I was thinking I have a credit card. I can buy up to whatever it was that my balance was. And then the bill came and I was like, oh, damn, because, you know, American Express, you have to pay it off all at once at the end of the month. So that's when it, you know, smacked me in the face like, bitch, stop this. You cannot do and this. this. And this this of all the, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things over the next, you know, months and years as this podcast grows but this to me this bad life choice is one that will just continue to snowball if you don't get it under control because it is a mindset that that you're spending and this interest just keeps accruing and it will get so out of hand that where honestly you won't know what to do and i i've seen seen it happen to people who've had to file for bankruptcy and start over from scratch and unfortunately, the lessons aren't learned. But we are, we're going to delve into this and so much more. We've got a great guest coming up. So stay tuned for the Bad Life Choice Podcast. So today we have a special guest. 
Shannon McLay from The Financial Gym, and she is going to tell us a little about herself, and then we're going to delve into a great conversation. Yeah. Hi, ladies. I'm so excited to be here. So yes, I'm the founder and CEO of The Financial Gym. I, I tell people I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an unintentional entrepreneur because I never thought I would start a business. When I graduated from college 23 years ago, I got a job in investment banking. And I used to tell people all the time, I'm not changing the world. I'm just making money. That was my mantra. And I made a bunch of money, did that for years. Then I got into my 30s and um, that just wasn't resonating anymore, that storyline and felt a shift in my life. I was married with a kid and had a great job in a home, but um, kind of was unhappy in all of it and ended up getting life coached and looking for purpose and meaning in my life other than just making money. And that ultimately led me to starting the financial gym. And um, I started the financial gym because I was working as a Merrill Lynch financial advisor I like to tell people helping rich people get richer and there is a job and a place for that and god love the people who do it but i found it really soul-sucking and i knew there was a whole population of people who didn't have two hundred and fifty thousand in assets but wanted and needed the kind of planning advisory and guidance work that i was doing for wealthy people so i left uh merrill lynch 10 years ago now to start the financial gym and um, my dilemma when i was at merrill was that um, I was meeting all these people who didn't have the 250,000 in assets you needed to work with me as a Merrill advisor, but they wanted to speak to a human being. And I just kept thinking, where do I send these people to? Because when we want to get physically healthy, there's so many places we could go to get physically healthy. We could tell our friends all these different places. But if people want to get financially healthy, where do they go? If they want to stop living above their means and, and feel more confident about their finances, where do they go? And I thought you would go to a financial gym to get financially healthy. So that was 10 years ago. Um, and at this point, we've worked with tens and tens of thousands of clients across all 50 states in all financial shapes and sizes. Our youngest client is 17. Our oldest is 75, I believe. And we've had clients start with us with negative dollars in their bank accounts. Um, actually, negative 2,500 is our our quote winner of the wow. best of the worst. Uh, Do you get an award for that? Or yeah, that... you know, it, it was a tough one. I didn't think you could get that negative, honestly. I mean, we've had clients start with us with negative three hundred, and it's it's a it it's a whole other podcast for another day. It makes me very angry that financial services companies are even allowed to let this happen, but that's how they make money. So, um, but we've had clients start there, and we've had clients start with eight million dollars in the bank, and making nothing to making seven figures, having zero in debt to having seven figures in debt. And across all that time, I tell people that the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned along the way is that the problems are the same, the zeros are different. So we've got clients who make $50,000 a year who live paycheck to paycheck. We've got clients making $750,000 a year living paycheck to paycheck um, and everywhere in between. And there's actually a lot more similarity if people really knew about everybody's finances, then uh, they would feel more connected than separate. But I think that's one of the reasons you're here today is so that you can mm -hmm. kind of dispel some of those, you know, myths and mm -hmm. help us understand that more. And you've been talking for about three minutes and I've already learned something because I didn't know that you could come to a, you know a financial advisor with a negative you know yeah. start. I mean, yeah. and I think a lot of people like myself. I'm a teacher, so I don't make mm -hmm. you know a ton of money. Think mm -hmm. that well, I don't really have you know a lot to invest. So why would mm -hmm. I do that? And mm -hmm. so I think what you said right there just 
just, well, that's why I started the gym because I was like, it's, love it's the a, name, by the way, yeah. love, love, love the name. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and we, we, we say gym a lot around the gym and that's what we mean. The financial gym, not the workout gym, but, um, that's why I started it because our clients pay like a regular gym, a monthly membership fee and people have different workouts they need to do, right? Some people need to work out. Uh, budgeting and saving and and kind of getting like going in their life. And some people need to work out a more intense workout, like how to save for retire or saving, you know, changing up their investment profile for retirement or whatever. It's just like a regular gym. It's just everybody's doing different exercises, right? So we're watching all different exercises happen. It just depends on you know, we tell our clients, just come here. We don't care how you're coming here, just like a regular gym. We're not expecting you to be in prime shape when you walk through the door. Whatever shape you're in, we we love, respect, and value that. And then we just care about where you want to go. So, so you're like that, you're that, that gym, that workout gym that is like a no judgment zone. Oh, yeah. There okay. is no judgment. Well, we joke that our workout equipment is wine and Kleenex because oh. that's oh what we go through a lot. Okay, I got that. So I'm so. good. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of wine and Kleenex. So I guess let's start at the bare, the, I guess the, the, yeah. the main definition, living above your means. What does that actually mean? Does it mean that you're just spending more than what you have? Does that mean that you're mismanaging? Does it mean that you don't have a savings? Does it mean that you're withdrawing from your savings to live? Because I know for a fact that there's people who have money put away, who have a retirement put away, but probably like mm -hmm. one month, it's like, oh, it was hard. going to have to dip into this um, versus I'm going to be able to deposit into this. So, I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, ways to interpret it but how does one know like what are the signs yes yeah. you're like is it yeah me? i know <laughs> somebody's living this it, it, it me i don't yeah. i think it me i don't know yeah. um so yeah how do you know it's you Probably, yeah by the way the the 67 of americans live paycheck to paycheck so odds are it's you so that's first of all. And um, the financial health, recent, recent financial, health, financial health survey from 2022 said that only 31% of Americans are considered financially healthy. And I could give you some of those metrics, but only 31% are considered financially healthy. And when you break down that, that group, only 23% of women are considered financially healthy and only 15% of the black population is considered financially healthy. So you have extremely unhealthy groups. And so when you think about that, it pretty much says, that, okay, a bunch of white guys are financially healthy, right? But the rest of us are really struggling. So um, that's just facts. So the reality is it's probably you or could be you will be you at some point. And, um, and the first thing I just want to say is if you are there, um, the best thing I can tell you the I, I say this all the time, I'll say it probably a million times in this podcast, but the best thing I could say, if you're somebody in this situation is that everything you do financially is fixable. So whatever kind of money situation you're in, if you've gotten into credit card debt, because you haven't been able to pay bills because you're living above your means or, you know, you're, you don't have enough saved or whatever. The best thing I could say is everything you do financially is fixable. So we're not talking about life or death things. It's just a matter of how much fixing do we have to do when we start to fix the money stuff. So, um, we have yet to see, I joked about that client with the negative 2,500 as being the best of the worst, but we've never seen the worst. We say that at the gym all the time, but we're like, because we haven't seen the worst yet because our clients who are coming to us are, are brave enough to work on the problems, right? So that's one step forward to a financially healthy life, right? So 
they're doing the hard work and they're brave and um, facing their finances and, and making smarter choices. Um, so that's not the worst. We say the worst are probably the people who are just not addressing it. And because it's going to keep getting worse, like it's not, if you don't make changes, then it's going to keep but compounding. If you don't talk about it, the problem's not there. That's what right. a lot of people, that's no, that's a lot of people's, um, I mean, mantra, the way they live. Like, I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm not going to think about it. And then I won't have to worry about it. But yeah. then it Head becomes very sand. overwhelming and it becomes just. We had a client live that way, right? So she, and, and again, I think it's something like 68% or 72%, some high number greater than that get greater than 50, 50, but something like that amount of people feel financial anxiety. So, and we see even financially healthy people experience financial anxiety because they're like, is it enough? And do I have enough? And so when you think about anxiety and you think about things that are anxiety inducing, and our responses to anxiety, we typically tend to avoid the thing that's creating anxiety, right? Yeah. So if it's our debt, if it's our thing, we'll just not open the app. We won't open the mail. Um, and that's what we've seen. We've had clients um, come to our meetings with unopened mail and they're like, okay, you're here. I'm going to open this with, with you. But we had one client a few years ago who came in and she was like, so I've been avoiding things. I graduated she graduated from NYU, great school, great education. She was literally a personal finance writer, worked for, or worked for a <laughs> financial yeah. writer. She's like, I um, am just ashamed because I, you know, didn't, I did have student loan debt. I didn't do anything about it. And she's like, literally last week, my bosses had to pull me into the office and say that they got a notification from the federal government that they had to start garnishing my wages oh, because no. I didn't make my student loan payments. Yes. So what's the biggest thing do you think, I'm sorry, that you see as far as like, what finally like made mm -hmm. them come to you? Like I couldn't take it anymore because was it because like they couldn't pay their yeah. rent or their mortgage? It's amazing. Because, it's amazing I mean, how much I'm just stuff curious, people like, go as through to before what they reach out. People. But we kind of have two camps. We either have people who are feeling like I'm leveling up my game. I like I just got a pay bump and now I want to make it stay. Like I feel like I'm in the position to make smarter choices and they want to level up. And that's, that's one primary person. And then the other side is that person who's like, I've tried everything or I haven't tried anything. And maybe this is the thing that I need to do. And what's interesting is like our average gym membership, our average members paying like $99 a month. And I always say, look, if $99 a month is going to make or break your life, you need to join our gym because no one should live a life where $99 is going to freak you out. And if it is, and it's going to, you know, the whole world's going to collapse, then that means there's a lot of underlying cracks in the foundation. We need to fill that lately. We need to figure out what's happening and, and kind of review everything. And what happens, like going back to the beginning, we're like, how does, how does this happen? The living above the means. A lot of times it's just one financial decision after the other, and none of them are really adding up, but they're all compounding, right? So we make, we just, we're, we got a wedding this summer. We got to go to, we got this happening. We got that. And then as they keep adding up and we're not doing the math of, can we make it fit? Um, then it starts getting worse and worse. And then the snowball starts getting bigger and bigger. And then it becomes more and more of a problem when you can't chip away at the snowball. I mean, especially I think of times as that I I've, as, as we all know, we've all had our ups and downs, highs and lows in financial situations. No one's been like sitting, you know, on 
monopoly money or maybe some people have been sitting on monopoly money and that's the problem but mm -hmm. you know i think that there is there's such an emotional connection as you said to finances um and i can recall like a tough time in my life and i look back and as you said like weddings and stuff like that a girlfriend she invited me to her wedding it was out of the country and i'm like oh i started looking at flights hotels and i'm like i don't think I can afford this. And it is so, I mean, you, you realize this first as like the person without the money and then, and mm -hmm. then being the person who then has to tell someone the reason you can't do something is because of your financial situation. And they're just like, but I don't understand. Like, because you, I mean, I'm not like on food stamps, you know, I was never like this yeah. kind of person to where it seemed as if, mm -hmm. you know, but it's also, it's like the point of, but did my, me making that decision make it okay because I wasn't going to overextend myself. I'm sure I could have put it on a credit card. It wasn't like I didn't have mm -hmm. a balance available, but it's like when you make these smart yeah, decisions, sometimes you feel bad, even though you know, if you mm -hmm. make the decision that could be right for the other person, it's going to be to your financial detriment. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say we have clients, I, I can't, there was a recent SNL, um, skit about uh bachelor like weddings and being in a wedding party and it was you know tongue in cheek but i posted on my my instagram and i was like this is so true it's ridiculous they, they did it almost like a cult documentary that everybody's doing it and we got to do the bachelorette party and then we've got the bridal shower and the wedding and the dress and all this stuff and i can't tell you how many clients we've coached through the wedding seasons thousands and thousands of dollars um you know to i have one client she was in three weddings in a in a year and when we ran the numbers because some were out of you know she had to travel to some were local and the total tab for the year that i estimated for her was forty five hundred dollars and she was like i don't know you know because they were all like spread out and i said i've been doing this for a long time i know it's going to work out I know it's that. So I said, you need to be saving $375 a month because that's $4,500 divided by 12. So that that's how we don't put $4,500 on our credit card. Let's save the, that money over time. And then we could pay off the card. And she's like 300. I don't have room in my budget for 375 a month. And I was like, yeah, you don't. So what are you going to do? Are you going to take away one of these things? Or are we just going to, you know, live you know what choices are we going to take away from and ps by the end of the year forty five hundred dollars went to the weddings i was almost to a t i think it was like forty six hundred dollars and i was like didn't i tell you this was gonna happen and i think what happens and especially for women it's like we make these decisions because we're trying to do things for our friends other people or our kids or significant others and we don't want to let people down and so, and if we have a credit card, we're like, okay, I'll just do it. I don't want to let them down. It's like, you're letting yourself down first. Okay. Do you realize that? Like you, it's like the same analogy with, um, going, you know, being on an airplane and putting your, uh, oxygen mask on first, and then you put your kids on, are you financially healthy first? Like how does your oxygen is your oxygen mask on? Cause don't worry about that friend and that other person and letting your, your sibling down or whoever if they don't want to be friends with you because you're focused on yourself and you need to be focused on yourself, then that's not somebody's wedding you want to go to. You probably won't be friends with them in five years anyway. And they just put you in $2,000 of credit card debt. That's going to compound at 25% month over month. So it is, you do have to think about yourself first. And, and it, it is a, a choice of, of prioritizing your, your own wellness, really, because you're going, even if you make that decision, like, oh, it'll be fun. I, you know, maybe you had the best time at the wedding. 
you're going to have the worst financial hangover afterward when you get the credit card bills and you're looking at that and you're like, how did this happen? And I'm, I'm barely making the minimum payments and you know, it, you're going to hate it for a longer period of time than you enjoy. But that just wedding. like a regular hangover, you say, I'm never going to drink again, or I'm never going to spend this much mm -hmm. money again. So I think about things a little bit because, like, you know, when I was blogging about personal finance, I wrote an article about whether or not your problem of living above your means, is it actually a spending problem or could it be just an income problem? Like, how do it's you know if you're just not making enough money? It's both. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's both. Yeah. So <laughs> when we, I'm telling you, right now, yeah, it could just like, just like a financial health or physical health journey, you've got to look at the food more, you know, think more consciously about what you're putting in your body. Then you got to think about how you're working out your body too. So I, you know, I think it, I tell people all the time getting financially healthy and getting physically healthy are both just two things. So it should be really easy. So to get physically healthy, we need to work out more and eat less slash better to get financially healthy. We need to make more and spend less or spend more healthily. Um, and so it seems really basic, but I say, if it was that easy, where are all the skinny millionaires, right? They, they don't exist, right? Because there's a lot of other things that get, that come into play. There's emotions. There's, we had, a, I had a bad day. I just had to go buy that dress. Like it just made me feel better in that moment. And then you know, it compounds like there, I, or I had a bad day. I need to eat cheesecake. You know, they, like we're going to do though and make those choices. So it's finding the space for them that, you know, you're going to have them and, and just kind of managing the choices because in understanding what, how they impact you. So yeah, when we look at clients' finances, 99% of our clients have expenses that they can cut that like 99%, like there's a very small population that we look at their numbers and look at their spending activity and say, mm, like, I think they're at their max. 99% of who we see could cut something. Um, so that's number one. And then it's how much cutting. And what we go through that, when we go through the expense reduction conversation with clients, we don't want to take away things from them because people don't like to think financially healthy. They don't want to have, they don't want that, you know, scarcity mindset or I, already feel like I'm not living my best life. Don't take things away from me. So we're not going to come at it like that. Where we come at it with our clients is we say, okay, just let's just say if we had to take things out of your budget, what are the one or two non-negotiables in your budget that you will protect above all else? So, um, and you can't have a dozen non-negotiables. You got one or two. So what are those two areas, one or two spending areas that you're like, I have, I need this to survive, to thrive, to live my best life. And in that list, typically in our gym clients, it's usually travel, it's health and wellness, it's fur babies, family, something like that. Things, experiences, things that make us feel good how people, most people spend their money, because we also track their spending. It's on Amazon, Uber, Seamless, Grubhub, some kind of out, dining out, uh, some kind of retail experience. If you're in New York, Dwayne Reed is pretty high up there because there's one on every corner. So it's very easy to spend. Um, and so the- And they have everything. Yeah. It's like, Dwayne Reed is like, for people who don't know, it's like the target. You go in for one thing and you're just like, I just need some mm -hmm. toothpaste. And the next thing you know, you're walking around. It's just a regular drugstore though, but it feels like, yeah. you know, the promised land. Sometimes. It is. It's like, it's like a mini target. And, and the problem is people pass 18 of them on their way home from work in New York. So it's so, so tempting yeah. to just stop in. And so the thing is those two lists don't intersect, you know, and they're, they're not similar. And so the work we do then for our clients is like, okay, 
you told me all these things were your non-negotiables, but you don't even have money left for those things because it's all going to these things. And we're not judging how they spend their money, but it's like, can we spend less in these categories so we have more money for the things you love? Because, you know, we have to do that. So there's always expense reduction. Everybody, 99% of the population can look at expense reduction. We usually tell clients, Look at your last three months of spending, um, you know, download your credit card statements, bank statements, um, the last three months and, you know, not with any kind of judgment, but just look at your charges and say, does this feel like, did these things bring me kind of like Marie Kondoing? Did these think transactions bring me joy or like, do I have a problem area right. that I don't, that I'm not consciously aware of. And now that I could see it, I, now I can see more of a problem area. One of my clients, we did this with and she saw retail like a lot of retail and um and and she like was ashamed herself she's like oh i was surprised how much i was spending like and she thought she was doing good because she was going to like tj maxx and um marshall's like she wasn't spending at like a typical retail store and um i said yeah i was kind of surprised too but you know not judging you is this normal and she's like i guess it might be she's like because she was over 50 living at home her parents her deceased parents home living at home with her sister and she wanted to move out she was divorced wanted to move out and she didn't know if she could because she didn't know how much she was spending and she's like so i get depressed i go to starbucks and get a coffee and then i shop and so when she said that to me so it's interesting this is why i don't know how ai is going to work with people's personal finance because how would a bot know that all those things turned into retail spending, right? But she shared that with me and I said, okay, well, I don't wanna take away the retail right. spending because you, you're not moved out of your sister's home yet and it's depressing and I get it and you've gotta do some things to like make yourself feel better. But I was like, how do we control the shopping like, can we put some parameters on? Like, maybe you only have $50, you can bring, you bring only cash into Target or, you know, set limits. And she's like, I am gonna, she's like, I'm gonna set a rule for myself I, that I can't buy it unless I try it on. She's like, cause I typically get coffee, I buy things, I bring it home, I try it on, it doesn't fit and I don't return it. Cause I just don't see. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I have to interject real quick because oh, I am the queen of yes. returns. People think that I have, I, if I, if I buy something and if I don't wear it within two weeks, it's going back to the store. They're like, that's cute. I clearly didn't find a function for it soon enough. Mm -hmm. It won't. And I do, I have, I, I go through some of my friends' closets and I want to grab their stuff and take it. I was like, if I take this back, can yeah. I keep the money? Because oh, it, it is, it's it so is common. Ridiculous. Yeah. And it, the closet's full with tags on them. So she's like, so she's like, yes. I'll try it on. I was like, great. So then we meet in three months and she's got a lot of DSW charges. So shoes always fit, right? Like, so she, so she didn't get on clothes, but I was like, okay, well, you followed your rules. So I think we're getting better, right? We're getting closer to what you need to do, but you still, you know, had shopping. And she was like, okay, I'm going to be better next time. And her two non-negotiables were travel and live concerts. That was like what she, she loved. So the next time we meet, she was hitting all her numbers and, and there wasn't, I didn't see really any retail charges. And I was like, what happened? Like, this is amazing. And she's like, how could it be? How, like, I'm shocked. Cause she's like, I, I had fun. Like this was a great quarter. I felt really good. And why it felt like a great quarter. She traveled to see friends. She saw Tom Petty live in concert before he passed and her two non-negotiables got filled. Right. And because she didn't spend in those other areas, she still had money left over at the end of the three months because it wasn't going to all these other things. It was going to the things she loved. And 
Yeah, she's still a client to this day. See, I've that's been fighting amazing. with her to what retire now, and she right just finally told her boss she's retiring. And she's and now her her she loves to tell me she's like just recently she's like. I got even better with my shopping thing. Like I tell myself if I wouldn't pay the full price at TJ Maxx, I'm definitely not even looking at it. And, um, you know, cause she just look at the 999 and she's like, that's her new thing. But you know, everybody's the point of all this is that it took us about six months to figure out like the right kind of balance for her. Um, you know, with all of the things going on in her life. And I tell people this, like, if you've tried a thing, if you've tried different budgets, they don't work. If you try different things, keep trying things like you got to find the thing that works for you because there is a financial exercise for everybody it's just finding the right one for you that's going to be sustainable so I was thinking and about, we, you're going to keep thinking doing the fact of living up your means and i am i am turning 40 this year hashtag forever 28. so um <laughs> yes they say not forever 21 because they went bankrupt so um right. but but thinking about the mindset i mean i know as a 40 year old or about to be 40 that the way that I think about jobs and saving and spending money is a lot different than the way that my mother thinks about it. And she's even at a higher um, age range than that of Maria. And then I also think about the way that my, I have a friend of a friend who are younger and they are, they spend, it's just like, oh, they need something. They're like, oh, we'll just door dash it. We'll just do whatever. We'll just, I'm like, I was like, they're like literally two days ago, we want it juice land. So we door dash. It's like, Juice lands across the street. Like, like you paid someone six dollars to bring you something that's across the street on a sunny day in Austin, Texas. Like that just that just seems insane to me. So, how much of the living above your means do you think is a generational thing, the way that age thing, or do you think it's just that no matter what age you are, you can be susceptible to this? I think um, I think it goes back to whenever credit cards became available, because the best way, the only way you can live above your means is by credit card spending. So we do. So whenever that is. And by the way, since whenever they existed, we've had living above means issues. Um, you know, people talk about women didn't have access to credit cards until the 1970s. But I see a lot of women in credit card debt. And I'm like, maybe that wasn't a great thing that we gave women <laughs> access to credit cards. Like, I understand. Like, but um you know, because there's a lot of because emotional spending ends up happening on the cards. And then, you know, that creates a lot of, of problems. So that's it's always been there when people because that because you think about like and you even said a trader, you're like, oh, I had balance available. Yeah, you had credit card balance available. You didn't have cash balance available, you know, exactly. and people think that that credit card. Oh, I have more funds because I have this credit card. But it's like that's more debt if you're not paying that. Like and by the way, credit cards are great. Um, I tell people all the time, credit cards are a great tool, but if you are, but they're just a payment method. If you can't pay them off every month, then it becomes debt and then it's a problem. Wives used to be able to use their husband's credit cards with, mm -hmm. you know, and, and not have any kind of like be an additional card holder or anything like that. And I know someone whose wife had credit cards in their name, like Mrs. John Doe, you know, used mm -hmm. their used mm -hmm. their husbands, you know, whatever, Mrs. John, and and used these credit cards, at these department stores, and the husband didn't know that she mm -hmm. had credit cards until one day happened to see like a statement and blew a mm -hmm. gasket because here was all this credit card, you know, stuff attached to his name, not her name, mm -hmm. and he had no clue. Yep. And this particular person 
was a cash only person, was a mm-hmm. was very much a person who did not live above their means. Their yeah. whole motto was, if you cannot pay cash for it, you don't buy it. So imagine mm-hmm. his um, surprise when I he mean, found out that he had he had all these credit cards in his name. Maria, I can't tell you how many people we situations we've seen at the gym like that. Sometimes you do have partners, yeah. You do have partners, like you said, Maria, like that couple where you have a saver and you have a spender, right? right? You have different financial personality types in a marriage or in a long-term partnership. And it is difficult to um, have those two personality types in um, a relationship because it's always this like friction of one person more comfortable with spending and the other person not. And the person who's not comfortable spending comes across very judgy and you know, what have you of the other. And then the spend you, and by the way, that it's not a gendered thing either, because I've had some time where the male is the spendy spendy and the wife is the frugal one. So it doesn't matter gender. And also we have, um, we have queer partners and there's either way. So it doesn't, there's no, there's no, there's no gender, gender roles that, that specify the fact that, that, that you you're are spendier bad with money. Or right. <laughs> yeah. And not bad with so, money. Some people well, are spendier yeah. and some people are savier, you know? So, okay, so thinking, so, okay. So we've, we've, we've covered so much information mm-hmm. and talked about why and how and when, but is there like a Bible? Is there something that uh, a list or rules that we should be going by to say how much savings we should have? How, how, how many, you know, weeks of expenses should we have put away if something mm-hmm. happens? you know um how much is the golden number to be saving every month is it a percentage of your salary is it an Mm -hmm. x amount um just so maybe those who are thinking about possibly turning this financial train around they can they can have some yeah you know and and they can turn around and come to you as well but as as we're all thinking about this and there people are evaluating their own behaviors do you have like is there a set of rules i'm I'm gonna actually give yeah, I'm going to, we have, um, if you, if you ever check out financialgym.com, we have a webinar that we offer pretty regularly. If they follow us, it's called, are you financially fit? We really dive into that and what we think, but I want to share too what like financial health indicators too. Like when I said that the country is financially unhealthy. So here's the indicators that they look at from like a, you know, a higher level standard. So number one is spending less than your income. So are, do you even know what your monthly spending is and your monthly income is? When I was go, talking about credit card debt, we tell our clients, we're like, okay, this last quarter you made $10,000 and you spent 15. And they're like, what? How could I have spent? And I'm like, well, your credit card debt's up $5,000. So it goes somewhere. So knowing that is key, but so you're spending, so spending less than you earn, um, you're, pay, you're able to pay your bills on time. Paying all the bills on time is a key financial health indicator. You have three months of your monthly expenses saved. We like to get to our, our clients to six months, but a key, just a base level is you have three months of your monthly expenses saved. So if you, ha, if you, you know, your mortgage, all that stuff, if that's $2,500 a month, or let's just say $3,000 a month, then you should have $9,000 in savings. Um, most people barely have more than 500. Um, you feel confident to meet your long-term goals. You uh, have a manageable amount or no debt. And manageable means you're paying it off. Or you know, if you have a mortgage or student loans, they fall within your budget. Uh, you have a prime credit score, which means you've got a credit score probably 730 or higher. Uh, you are, you're confident that if you needed insurance, like you, you have health insurance, renter's insurance, homeowner, the right insurances that you need. And you can answer this question positively. My household plans ahead financially. 
So my household, like we we're planning ahead for our money. Um, those are the eight indicators that that are, are what tell you that only 31% of the population can answer those things so, positively. I don't go to the gym, but I would not mind coming to yours because that would be a good thing. No, I mean, actually, the things that you said just made me feel yeah. pretty good. I, except like my, I'm getting, I'm retiring June 30th. I'm, but um, yes, I'm excited about that. I am retiring June 30th, um, but I will be doing something else because, mm -hmm. you know, right. teacher's pension is not enough. So, um, you know, I need to, I need to figure that out, but I do a lot of the things that you said, mm -hmm. I can check off those boxes. So I feel like I'm a little ahead of game. There's no shame. And I think that's a lot of things too. There's no shame because everyone, I mean, I can speak for myself too. Like I've gone through a hell of a life change over the past, like, you know, a couple years from getting divorced and just the situation that all brought that in. And sometimes you're living above your means isn't a reflection of who you are, your abilities or what you can do. It's just a reflection of your current situation. So sometimes these, these, these bad financial times um, are only temporary. They're just like a storm. Like you weather it, you get through it as long as you're capable, driven, you know, creative. And, <laughs> and, and also, like I said, and also don't, you know, don't have a, I guess, a big ego to where you realize that sometimes you have to take a step back and before you can step forward as well. Because I truly believe that that money is a mindset and, um, you know, broke is only a temporary state, not, not something that, that is a long term and that no matter where you are in life, there's still an opportunity to build wealth and I think to also achieve your financial dreams. So as we wrap up here, um, we have a question that we ask all of our guests. Um, do you know, or can you think of one bad life choice that you thought was bad that actually ended up to be good? Yeah. So I think every life choice is a good life choice as long as you're learning from it. So um, there are many choices I have made that I look back on and I'm like, was that my like best and optimal? I don't know, but I made it and I learned from it and I never made it again. So it served its purpose in my life journey. And I think I get asked this a lot. What would, because I'm 40, you know, going to be 45, what would 45 year old Shannon say to 22 yeah. year old Shannon? And I, and I've been asked this a lot over the last 10 years and it's always been my same answer yeah. is she would tell her to do everything exactly the same. No, I love that. So the yeah, the best the best bad decisions are the ones you only make once. So yes. So all right. Well, thank you so much. So now if people want to find out more about the financial gym or follow you or your podcast, where can they go? Yep, they can go to financialgym.com. And like I said, we have so many free options, webinars, things like that. We'll go through the digits or whatever. Um, I'm on and we have we're on all the social channels on at the financial gym. Um I'm personally on uh, Instagram at the Shannon McLay and it's one C in the last name. And I have a podcast called Martinis and Your Money, Living a Better Life One Cocktail at a Time. And that's available wherever you can get podcasts. Yeah. And we'll be <laughs> we will be sure to include links to all of this and more. So thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us. Thank we appreciate you. your time and all this financial knowledge. I think I'm going to go save some money after this. It seems like I'm inspired to do so. And no, and congratulations on you know leaving corporate America and doing what you wanted to do and helping so many people in the process. I think that's fantastic. Bad choice, good story, lesson learned. Thanks so much for listening. Like what you've heard? Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, like this episode, and follow us on Instagram and TikTok. For more bad life choices, tune in next week.